Hello, this is Bayo Fadjuba. We're so excited that you are joining us today. If you're a part of our DCH family, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you. Please find us on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, or you can even join us on our website at www.dch.church. We can also get you plugged in via the Church Center app where you can find our connect groups, upcoming events, as well as given options if you would like to help us spread the gospel of Jesus everywhere. I hope this word today blesses you, encourages you, and inspires you to greatness. Let's get started. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. How many of us have been blessed so much this month that we're talking about process? Can we put our hands together? And celebrate Jesus. The word of God is not scarce in this house. God is blessing us with his miracles, his lifting, his teaching right in this house. And we're con continuing the same series this morning. Can we close our eyes and pray this morning? Father, we thank you specially for your awesome presence in this place. Thank you for what you've done so far this year and even this month. Lord, we know that you will touch our hearts specially today. And do what only you can do in our lives. We give you all the praise, Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. So this morning you can see that uh, the arrangement is different. And we will have a menti.com uh, coming up shortly, the code, so we can ask questions. Actually, it's right here on the screen. Uh, 92352119 is the code. We can have opportunity to ask questions. And this morning, uh, can we just celebrate my pastors, your pastor, Pastor Bayer, and Pastor Tone this morning. Let's celebrate. And celebrate all the leaders in the house for giving me the rare privilege to teach, but also to teach from my new book. Amen. Let's do it again. Teach from the new book. Thank you. So it's called Breathe. And by the way, this is my fifth published book, by the way. But this is very special because, yeah, if you can clap. This is very special because I believe God led me specifically to write this for people working in business as a devotional that will help you kick your day going. So see this as a faith fuel for your working day. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read from God's word this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. That will be our key scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. The King James Version says, If the iron be blunt, and it do not wet the, the edge, then must it put to more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is profitable to direct. i like us to see the same passage of the Bible in the Message Version. The Message Version says, Remember, the duller the axe, the harder the work. Then he says, use your head. The more brains, the less muscle. You know, every time you hear the phrase, use your head, it sounds like an insult. You've heard that before, right? To say, use your head. But it, when I saw this in the Bible, I was very glad because it looks like I've insulted people before, but I have not really insulted you. I've only quoted the scripture. Amen? So don't tell your neighbor, tell yourself, say, use your Let's go on. Hallelujah. So this month we've been talking about the pr process. And last week, Pastor Bayer made one comment I just want to latch on this morning. He said, God takes us through 
to bring us to. Do you remember that? God takes us through to bring us to. And that tells me that we need to understand that process is God's tool of advancement. Process is God's tool for our growth. You know, when we align our perspectives with God's perspective, we begin to see process as progress, not problems. Because what happens sometimes is because we cannot see what God is doing, then we start thinking God is messing up with our lives. God is not messing up your life by taking you through processes. He's actually leading you to a place of growth, a place of progress. Hallelujah. And when we talk about growth, it is essential for every human to grow. As a matter of fact, if you are not growing, you are dying. You know, when we're growing up, I learned from biology that one of the characteristics of human or living things is what? Growth. And if I can remember clearly, we were taught then in school, Mr. Niger D. Which school did you go to? No, that's fine. Now, M stands for movement, R for respiration, N for nutrition, I for not irresponsibility. Irritability. G for growth. Because on the way to destiny, stagnancy is not an option. It's either you're making progress or you're retrogressing. If you want to arrive at the place God has called you to get to, you've got to keep moving. Tell someone to say, keep moving. And the processes we go through in life are some of those tools God used to guide us on our way to get to exactly where he wants us to get to. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 says something very powerful. The New International Version of Revelation 3.16 says, So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Supporting the notion that on the way to destiny is either you are moving forward or you are moving backwards. You cannot stand still. Somebody says, God said we should stand still. That's not the stillness he's talking about. Stand still and see the goodness of the Lord means you are latching onto God. And trust me, God is always moving. Don't be stopping when he's moving because if he's moving and you are not moving, you will miss out on the things he has for you. I pray for you this morning. You will not miss out in Jesus' name. Yeah. I just prayed and you didn't believe it. I said you will not miss out in Jesus' name. Yeah. I'd like you to follow me on the journey this morning. I will talk about growth and some of the things we should be doing in that process that God takes us through. So I'd like you to, you know, kind of just let's, tell, let's, let's teach together quickly in the interest of time. There's, a, there's an old fable of the goose that laid the golden eggs. You've heard that fable before? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you the farmer went into the woods and actually got, caught a goose and then brought the goose home, right? And one day the goose laid a golden egg. Someone said golden egg. And then the farmer went to the market and sold it. I don't know for how much, but he sold it and he made money from it. The next day, the goose laid another golden egg. He sold again. The third day, another golden egg and he went to sell again. And at some point, the farmer said, mm, let me consolidate on this business. Let us scale up so I can make much more gold. And you know what he did? He wants to scale his results. So let me actually ask you, so what should he do? What should he do? Huh? He should do what? Show me the questions. He should do what? Feed the goose. So two options. Keep the goose LV or get all the eggs at once. If you, if you believe, no, let's do it together, right? If you think he should keep the goose LV, raise your hand. Okay, not many people. If you think you should just get all the eggs at once to scale his business, raise your hand. Only a few of us. Okay, so what did he do? He actually chose B, got all the eggs 
at once. That was his intention. So you know what he did? He reached out for the goose. Since the goose laid golden eggs, it means the golden eggs are inside the goose. Amen? So where do you go to find the golden eggs? Right inside the goose. Show me the next object. So the question is, what did he find? What did he find? He cut it open, of course. So what did he find inside? Two options. Plenty of gold or plenty of blood? Option B. I like this. Yeah, option B. And if you chose option B, then you are correct. Put your hands together for yourselves. Because he found blood. The reality is many careers and businesses are in bloody situations because they want all the gold at once. Only you bought a very lovely, beautiful house, bought a nice car, but you hardly sleep in the house and you hardly drive the car. Can I get there this morning? Because all you do is kill the goose. Literally. I got a goose here. Punch. Hallelujah. But what you really need to do is to take care of the goose. You know why? Because the goose represents your production capability. The ability to produce results. And the golden eggs, I got golden eggs here. The golden eggs represents your production. You cannot get productivity if there's no production capability. But what we do every time is to put the goose under pressure. Work and work. You know what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15? Let me show you quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15. Put it on the screen. It says the labor of fools wearies every one of them. Because he's ignorant of the ordinary matters that he does not even know how to get to town. Now if you read that passage of the Bible, you probably don't understand it. Let's, let's read the easy to read version of that same passage. Let's read together. One, two, go. Fools aren't smart enough to find their way home. Why? So they must work hard. How many times? All their lives. I did not write that part of the Bible. If you must keep your goose healthy, you need to sharpen your saw. Take care. Tell someone say, take care of your goose. Sometimes the processes we go through is God calling us back. Take it easy. You know, God literally pressed the pause button during COVID. Some people have never slept like they slept, amen? Because all you need to do is to sometimes to take a step back and look at things again. Are you with me this morning? The goose is your production capability. Your golden eggs is the productivity. The seven habit this morning is all about making sure that your production capability is intact. Now let's do another story quickly. Are you with me? You love the first one? Another story quickly. So there were these two men called Peter and Paul. They don't dance. Just, just follow me. Peter and Paul, right? And then they get, got into a competition to see who is going to cut down the tree first. Right? Now, Peter and Paul got their axe. I promise you it's not real. It's kind of, don't be scared. Now, they got their axe together and they started hitting at the tree. Then after a few minutes, Paul will go out and sit down and do something that nobody knew what he was doing. He continued to do that. And after a while, all of a sudden, Paul's tree was down. And Peter was like, no, 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 no. There's no way Paul could actually be the winner. 
I have been hitting at this tree all day long. But he has been taking breaks. And he asked Paul, what were you doing during the breaks? You know what he said? I was sharpening my axe. I was sharpening my axe. I was restoring my strength. And Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 that we read before. He says, the duller the axe, put it on the screen, the harder the what? The work. The duller the axe, the harder the work. Could it be that you're using too much muscle where you need to use your brains or where you need to leverage grace? Have news to someone this morning that perhaps what is missing in your life is that you are not leveraging grace enough. You are not sharpening your saw enough. And God is giving you chances upon chances to do that. But you're not. There's something called receiving things on the platter of gold. But there's something called receiving it on the platter of grace. Sometimes you just take a step back. And re-strategize to get the tree down quicker. You know, people say, but you need to labor. I agree. Hard work is good. But you see, even in the Bible... There are not many places where God says you should labor. Only few. And one of those few places in, is in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. The King James Version says, let us do what? Labor. But God's what? To do what? Enter the rest. I like that kind of labor. <laughs> because yes, you labor, but what, where you're going into is not more labor. It's into what? Rest. So how do you sharpen your sword? I'm going to just talk about four points to sharpen your sword. The first one, the very first one, is take care of your body. Take care of your body. I get some witnesses. Let me say it again. Take care of your body. Amen. Festival chapter 4 verse 8 says something. It says in King James Version, it says, For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that, is, that now is, and of that which is to come. Let me show you in message version because it puts more context. It's, it's on, more understandable. Message version says, you've been, uh, message version says, no, verse 8, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. It says, work out in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Sometimes we are so focused on that side because it's forever. But for you to be fully fit today, you need to work out. You need to do exercises. You see, effective people take very good care of their bodies. They have a program of exercise that combines endurance, flexibility, and strength. And it's easy to do that. All you probably need to do is to take a walk more, run more, take the stairs more. As simple as it can be. You know, a few months, about two months ago, I actually had to go to do my total, you know, my medical checkup. And I was told that I, you know, I had too much uh, cholesterol, you know, you know, and they gave some numbers to it. And of course, yeah, 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 whose report will you believe? I believe the report of the Lord, but I had to do something about it. Amen? <laughs> yeah. What I did about it was to reduce my ration. Amen? And guess what? I actually was at the doctor's on Friday, and I was, I've lost 10 pounds already within two months. Clap for me. Come on. Don't be hating on me now. Amen. 10 pounds just like that. I don't lift weights that much. 
Because sometimes our problem is not the devil. Our problem is that we have become CDE, chief destiny eaters. You know the way some people eat? You eat everything. Everything is stuffed in your face. You need to take it. Tell somebody, take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. If all I did was to reduce my rations and then my... You know, sometimes the problem is our consumption outweighs our metabolism. And then protrusion will start happening in wrong places. And then you stay more time taking photographs. And you quickly want to run because all you're doing is take it. Hurry up now. Let's go. <laughs> Tell someone, say, take care of your body. Take care of your body. You know, don't try to get by faith alone what requires faith and force. God can deliver the interview to you, but you need to show up. May you not be sick on the day of your glory. May you be fit to receive your blessing. Let them not call you. Say, come and take it. And you say, I'm not feeling well. It's not your portion in Jesus' name. But you got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your body. Number two, quickly, because of time. Transform your heart. Transform your heart. The heart here refers to emotions. And every time you talk about emotions, you talk about people. So you need to work to develop your heart, your emotional connections, communicate well, learn to listen, to understand, not listen, to respond. Some people are looking at you as you are talking and they are waiting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, I get you. I get you. All they can think about is how to respond. Actually, sometimes you realize that you've answered the question they're about to ask. And you wonder you're not listening to me all the while. You know? So you need to improve your emotional intelligence. There are five domains of emotional intelligence. Self-awareness, self-management, self-motivation. Those three are called the intrapersonal domains. Things you need to do within yourself. And then you have empathy. And then you have relationship building. Interpersonal domains. So in other words, you deal with yourself first before you start connecting, dealing with other people. Sometimes the problem we have issues in relationships is because we don't even know ourselves. Socrates says something. He says, man, know thyself. You need to know yourself. It was in his book, uh, 1998 version of emotional intelligence, that Daniel Goldman said, that that's one of the lords, so to say, of emotional intelligence. He said that uh, for leadership positions, emotional intelligence competencies account for 85% of what separates good and great managers from the others. So you might be very smart mentally, but if you don't have high emotional intelligence, maybe that's why people are running away from you. And sometimes God gives you breaks for you to deal with your heart. God gives you break for you to look at yourself again and teach yourself how to connect well. Amen. Number three, repair your brain. Repair your brain. We're going to read that passage again. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. Repair your brain. He says, remember the dollar, the axe, the harder the work. Then it says, use your head. Actually, the reason I said we should read that passage again is because one of the ways to really repair your head is to use it. Can I say that again? One of the ways to repair your head and your brain is to use your brain. Is to use your brain. Psychologists have something they call structural attention, and it's a, it's, a, it's a concept in engineering as well. So they say that if a, an elastic material is stretched, there's structural tension in its, in its string, right? So I take a rubber band, and I stretch it. Can you see that? 
what you see here is called structural tension. Are you with me? And psychologists say the same way when you stretch your brain, structural tension is exerted upon your brain, and your brain by itself will begin to solve complex problems. Which is why the last time you had a need and you said, who can help me? Pictures and names and phone numbers of people started coming to your mind, even though you are not a prophet. Because your brain is trying to solve it. But you see, this rubber band is useless. If it's not, stretched. Because if you want to use it to tie your hairs, for instance, God knows how many rubber bands are in this room. All you need to do is to stretch it again, stretch again, stretch, and it's useful. But you see, in like manner, if your brain is not stretched, it is, I didn't say that. Don't say I insult you on Sunday morning. The, okay, let me put it in another way, positive way. The usefulness of your brain is in the stretching. <laughs> the uselessness of your brain is in, let's leave that. So someone needs to exert more structural attention in your brains so that you can repair it to do the function that God has created it to do. To solve problems for you. If your brains are not useful, God would not have created it. Amen? And the man that wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 10 is one of the, the Bible says the wisest before Christ. Solomon. If he tells you that you should use your head, do you think he knows what he's talking about? That man, the Bible talks about Queen of Sheba going into his house. And when she arrived there and see the manner in which they conducted themselves, the Bible says there was no spirit left in her. In other words, she fainted. So <laughs> let's put it this way. It is not only the physical anointing that caused people to faint. Let's go on. Conduct mental repair. Change your habits. Stop committing your time and habits to things that dull your mind. Read. Work out puzzles. Solve mathematical challenges. Engage in some challenging activity to keep your mind alert. As a matter of fact, let's put it this way. You need to consistently learn, adapt, and apply what you've learned. That's the only way to keep that brain going. Learn. Adapt and apply what you've learned. Learned. You know, there's a, there's a consulting firm called Conferry, and they do a lot of work in leadership development. As a matter of fact, in your organization, when you're thinking about who to promote in succession planning, they use companies like Conferry, Hydric and Struggles, and all those people. Now, Conferry says they did something regarding who to promote to leadership positions. You know what I said? So learning agility is a fact-based predictor of continued leadership growth. And potential. In other words, if I want to promote someone to leadership position, I want to know if they have learning agility. Can they learn? How do I know if they can learn or not? They have people agility. They work well with people. They have results agility. They drive results. They have self-awareness agility. They have all this agility that forms learning agility. But essentially what they do is to learn, adapt, and apply to repair their brain. So what you need to keep doing in that space is to be innovating, seeking out new solutions. You need to be performing, seeking to identify patterns in complex situations, reflecting, risking, and avoid defending. Avoid defending for every leader is to take feedback. You didn't see that part. People hate feedback. They like good feedback. Oh, you look good this morning. Thank you. 
But you see, your leadership style needs to improve. What do you mean? Feedback is a gift. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. As a matter of fact, you cannot know yourself well enough if you don't take feedback. Leaders are not supposed to wait for feedback. They're supposed to solicit feedback. You know why? When you are, let me show you what it means. When you are driving a car and the car is moving and you're looking through the windshield, how do you see what is happening behind you? Rear view mirror and what? The side mirrors. You know why? Because if you dare turn, anything can happen. Are you with me? In life, when you're moving towards destiny, people around you become your side view mirrors and your rear view mirror. And the feedback they give you is important. And yes, I know there are malicious feedback they can give you. And when they do that, it's still a gift. How many of you have received a gift and you take it and you didn't use it? Because feedback is a gift. If you think it's malicious, you can take it and drop it. But it will be disastrous for you to want to grow and become everything God wants you to be, but you do not pay attention to what you are hearing. You know, in, in psychology, there's something called intent and impact. Intent is what you have in mind, how you see yourself, what you intended to do. Impact is the vibes you give off. A lot of times, there is a difference between your intent and, and the impact. So you think you are something, the best thing that has happened since sliced bread, but you are something else because of the vibes you give off. There's one way you can align the two. Solicit feedback. Let's move on. The last point here is take care of your soul. Take care of what? Take care of your soul. You need to take care of your soul. Thank God because we can depend on him in prayers and meditation on, of his, on his word to actually get our soul going. You can never neglect a spiritual dimension of your life because it provides energy for the rest of your life. Your soul has five elements. You know, the mind, the emotion, the will, the imagination, and the memory. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says. It says, may God, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, NIV says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about the tripartite nature of man. The Father, man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. And I love Ephesians 4, verse 23. Ephesians 4, 23, the New Living Translation says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And why will he say that? Every one of us, there's something called neuro-linguistic programming, communication model. And it's, it states, talks about events that happen to us. When things happen to you, someone says things to you, someone does something to you, you will pick that information with your five senses, right? And when you pick them, you pick almost about two million bits of information will rush to your head. And there are things called filters in your mind. Those things called filters, they do three things. They generalize, they distort, and they delete. These filters are also called metaprograms, talking about the programming of your mind. Now, when those things that are called memories, language, values, beliefs, when an information comes into your mind, they either distort, delete, or generalize it, and it forms a behavior, an observable attitude. That's what the Bible says here in Ephesians 4, verse 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and then what? Your attitude, your thoughts because of your filters. You know, a lot of us are struggling with the things we've heard before. Praise God. 
You know, some people are carrying the luggage of the past in form of beliefs, limiting beliefs. And that's why it's stopping. There is so much more you can achieve, but what they said to you 23 years ago is still bothering you because it's residing in your mind and every time something positive comes to you, it will delete it. What about the things you value? What about the languages? What about memories? You know, something called knee-jerk effect. The fact that every time you start feeling like you felt 10 years ago, you start demonstrating the same way you demonstrated 10 years ago. What it means is you need to find your emotions, find your triggers. What are the things that trigger such emotions in you? If you can deal with them, your life can be better. And one of the ways to deal with them is Ephesians 4 verse 23. Let the spirit renew them. Romans 12 verse 2. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Your mind is the gateway. Your soul is the gateway. If it is intact, you can become and achieve anything. I love what 3 John 2 says. 3 John verse 2 puts it in context. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish. Let's read it together. I want to go. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Stop. Now look at that word. Even as thy soul does what? Prosper. In other words, the prosperity of your body, the prosperity of your bank account, the prosperity of every side of your life is dependent on the prosperity of your soul. Your soul is where your brain is. Test me say, use your brain. If you can sort out this place, a lot will be sorted out. If I suddenly say, God will bless you with a miracle you've never seen before, what do you say? And some people say, well, how can God do that? God will have blessed with a miracle I've never seen before and all that. You know why? It is your filters deleting the blessing. There are a lot of prophecy coming out from this house. The, band, the, the barrier is a filter. It's not a physical barrier. It is in your mind. The Bible says very clearly, the just shall live by what? Faith. Another version says, how you believe is how you live. So the problem with the way you are living is because it's a function of how you believe. If you want to live differently, you will change what and how you believe. We start from the mind, start from the soul. Hallelujah. The wider your soul, the greater the testimony you can have. Somebody celebrate Jesus this morning. Let's put our hands together. As we go to menti.com, and Embla, please, you will help with the questions. Okay, okay, okay. There are no questions. Thank you. Oh, sorry, please go on. <laughs> no, we have a question. We have a question. Okay. What does it mean to process your relationship with God? To process your relationship with God. What does it mean to process your relationship with God? Hmm. I'm, I didn't say that exactly that way. But if I can put it in another context, what I said was to understand the process God is taking you through. To understand the process God is taking you through. And every one of us have got our own processes. God will not take you through the same process he's taking me through. So what I need to do is to understand that process, to know it is mine. 
to understand the journey. So the problem a lot of times, and what I said, if you are not aligned with God, you will see process as problem, not progress. Is God does not tell you the full details of the process you go through. God tells you the end from the beginning because that's how he operates. Are you with me? So it tells you you are blessed, but you don't look anything like a blessing. You know what it's going to do? It's then going to allow you to work it out. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The light will show on your path. You will see where you are to the end. But you see, the lamp will guide your step one after the other. The problem is when it starts the process with you and you do not take the first step, you will not understand the second step. Because God gives you instruction first. And on the premise of obeying the instruction, he gives you the direction. Are you following me? He gives you direction. So he told Abraham, leave your father's house to a place that we show you. When he told him to leave his father's house, he did not tell him the place we show him. Abraham did not understand the full process. How Abraham got to go from where he was to where he needed to get to was to obey the first instruction, leave his father's house. In fact, he did not tell him which gates to follow. You know, some houses have like three gates. The front gates, the back gates, the side gates. He just said leave. However, in fact, he did not say follow the gates. So if Abraham wanted to scale the fence, he's led to Abraham. The first step, leave your father's house. So you need to understand the process God is taking you through. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next question. Okay, and the next question says, if you take care of your body and do things needed to prepare for what you prayed for, is that the same as manifesting what you prayed for? No, not the same. <laughs> not the same. Taking care of your body is one of the things you need to do. Taking care of your body is one of the things to prepare you to receive. But receiving from God, the promises of God is premised on a scripture. Malachi chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 11 verse 24, if you can put it on the screen. Mark 11 24 says very clearly, it says, whatsoever ye desire, when you pray, believe you shall receive. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. Now, what you need to understand is the process between believe that you receive them has a lot of things in it. It has you believing in your mind. It has you exercising your faith, which is where your body comes in. It has you declaring what you believe. The Bible says, as surely as you say before me, so will I do unto you. So a lot of things are between that believe that you receive them and finally it will land in your end. Manifesting... If, if, we, if we use the church context, manifesting is acting like you received it. So you are taking the action of faith. Manifesting is speaking like you received it. So if I want my healing, I don't say I am healed. I don't say, I I, I don't say God, please heal me. Amen? Manifesting is I am healed in Jesus' name because by stripes I have been healed. So you change the language to a language that you're already operating where God has promised that he will give you. So manifesting is just one element. Uh, sorry, taking care of your body is one element in that whole process. We have a really good question here. What if it feels like the process is an unending cycle? I know people were waiting for that. Like, how? Amen. You see, first of all, God said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not yours. So the question is, we often calculate timing 
in terms of our basic understanding. God calculates timing in terms of your season. When your season comes, it will happen. We don't know how long Anna's waited for Samuel to come. We know that Penina has a lot of children. And maybe if we count that he was having children every year, we can estimate how long Anna waited. But we know that Sarah waited for 25 years. We know that these days some people wait, wait for even longer than that. But you see, when you align with God, all you need to know, and that's where faith comes in, is that no matter how long it takes, no matter how long it feels, if he says it, he'll do it. If he says it, he'll, the Bible says, is, in fact, the Bible in the book of Hebrews says, follow them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The problem a lot of us have is we like the faith part. We don't like the patience part. You know, last week we were talking about the gathering. Imagine she come to the gathering tonight. <laughs> talking about the gathering, how one of the fruits of the Spirit is also long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means? It means exactly what you think it means. Suffering long. But the Bible says when it turns again the captivity of Zion, we're like them that dream. It means that when it happens, it looks like it has this process never even took place. How many of you have been without jobs before? And all of a sudden you got a job. And you could do things you couldn't do before. I pray for someone this morning. The process is taking long. But God is about to change the story. God is about to change it and turn it around. In the name of Jesus. So if it's, the Bible says, if it's taking like it's taking too long, wait for it. Actually, the Bible says, even though it tarries, wait for it. It will not what? Tarry. In other words, even though it looks like it's getting too long, in your calculation and estimations. Wait for it. Because in my calculation, it can never be too long. Amen. It's happening right now in the name of Jesus. Please. Another, we have another really good question. How does someone balance the thin line between patience and God's process and complacency? Great point, actually. So complacency is... Q Sarah Sarah. You know, you know that's the word? What would be? You know, so Q Sarah Sarah. Whatever. I don't like that song because it's not scriptural. <laughs> that's complacency. Let me just wait and see. The Bible did not say just wait. The process of waiting is a process of engaging with God, it's a process of developing yourself. That is the true waiting. Down. The complacency one is when you are just watching. I wanted to say it. There's something that came to my mind. I'm not going to, okay, I'm going to say it. Okay, see, see, don't look. No, let's go on. You know, you just, <laughs> you're just, just looking. The process of waiting on God is the process of engaging with him, believing in, in him, praising him, serving him, trusting him. It's an active process. Can it be really, really daunting? Yes. Can it be tiring? Yes. But the Bible says you will reap it if you do not faint. So Testament said, don't faint. It will happen. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have another question. This one says, what does it mean to use your brain? A part of me feels that Embla is looking for all the difficult questions, but that's fine. How to use your brain 
is to engage in activities that will challenge your mind. Thank you. Things, you know, see your brain, this is the way your brain operates, right? Your brain has neurons in them. I'm not a scientist. I'm more of a psychologist than a scientist. Your brain has neurons in them, perhaps millions of them. And when there's an event or an action, a word is said to you, one neuron will pick that information and pass it through other neurons, sometimes thousands of neurons, and it will form what is called neural pathway in your mind. Now, when the neural pathway is formed, it's like you cutting grasses and making a path in a bush for the first time. It's difficult. Now, how you walk your way to a point where that information becomes entrenched is when you consistently think about the same thing. You keep thinking about the same thing. You keep thinking about the same thing to the point where you start believing. And those meta programs start forming. You start forming beliefs. You start forming values. You start forming memories. Now, how to use your brain to your progress is consciously breaking down that already negative neural pathway by picking another information and think on it repeatedly. Think on it repeatedly. Do everything possible to be, to, for that picture to always be in your face. Like Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So that, that, you see, when you meditate so much on it, it will lead to what action? That's why it says, so that thou shalt observe to do everything that is written therein, and then your success and good prosperity will come. So using your brain is engaging in activities, I'm placing it there. You know, I like to say the word meditate in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 is, is what brood. And that brooding is what comes to mind is when a chick sits on, on an egg. Right? So it sits there until it hatches. In other words, until you receive your breakthrough and miracle, you need to keep working that word in your mind. Working that process in your mind. Keep thinking about Do everything possible for that process, for that neural pathway to remain fresh in your mind. Use your brain. I wanted to say your head, but that sounds... No, no, use your brain sounds more sleek, right? Okay, use your brain. Amen. We, okay. we are out of time. Let's take one more question, and I think we can go to prayer. Okay, one more question. This is a good question. How do you deal with disappointment after you've worked hard to get something and you don't get it? Praise God. We'll be disappointed. Anybody will be, I will be. What you don't know about me is that I teach a lot about process, but I hate to wait. But you see, I think we think in terms of finality of a thing. In other words, if it does not happen when we think it will happen, we feel it will never happen. God doesn't think that way. If it hasn't happened and he promises it will happen, it will still happen. So the first question is, whose time are you walking by? Your time or God's time? Who says it has not? You know, sometimes also we think it has not been done. Who says it has not been done? Because there's a difference between doing and receiving it. As a matter of fact, there's a difference between it is done, I receive it, and it's in my pocket. There are different stages. The fact that it's not yet in your pocket doesn't mean it has not been done. And does, it doesn't mean you haven't received it. And if God promises you what it says to do is to stay there until it happens. So some people, I think what happens a lot of time for people that give up, I've given up sometimes where I just say, no, no, I can't deal with this anymore. But in that instance, it's me feeling 
God can never do it again. Do you know that's an insult on God? Never arrive at a time where you feel God can never do it again because he can. And if he's promised, Bible says faithful and just to do it. So whose time are you walking? So be patient. Wait for it. If God has promised, it's going to happen. I mean, how many times have you trusted God for something and just in the moment where you feel it will never happen, it is over and God just turns it around. I have a sense that God is turning something around for someone in the name of Jesus. Can I prophesy to you this morning? I have a sense that they've given you a verdict, but God is turning that verdict around. I have, a, I, have a, I have a sense that it's an adjudicator working on your case that I said is the final, but God is bringing another person in that will turn that case around. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Embla, for asking all the questions. Let's put our hands together. As we pray this morning. Amen. Can we rest on our feet as we pray this morning? Let's rush up on our feet as we pray this morning. I want to pray two prayer points. I will lead us to pray two prayer points. When I was preparing, when I was preparing for this session, one, one word that I believe God gave me very clearly is that I will, I wrote it here, I will breathe upon every work that they do. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. The Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 7, King James Version says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathe into his nostrils and the, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. For everyone that would believe this morning, God is releasing, releasing a breath into your life. And everything dead up till now is receiving the life of God. I just prayed and you didn't believe it. I say everything dead is receiving the life of God right now. In the name of Jesus. I want you to. You can shut your eyes quickly. If you're here, you're not, you've not given your life to Christ because we need to pray this prayer as believers. If you're here, you've not given your life to Christ. In other words, you've not accepted Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior. I want you to just raise your hand this morning, your right hand, wherever you are. I'm not going to call you forward. We just want to agree with this. Say, Lord Jesus, enter into my life. We're going to all pray with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's pray together. Say, in the name of Jesus. I receive you, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that you died and rose again for my victory. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being a part of our message today. If you enjoyed the message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media. You can also jump on our website, www.dch.church, and click the given link to help us spread the word and the good news all over the world. Stay connected and God bless you. Have a great week.